time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. All right, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, the famous Christmas story. Buckle up and here we go. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Father, we love you tonight and we love being your children. And we live eternally grateful for you sending your son to come be a human being on the planet, live perfectly, die, defeat the enemy, raise from the dead, ascend into heaven. And Lord Jesus, we commit ourselves to you again tonight as we talk about the incarnation, talk about that you became a man. And yet again, we as young people surrender our lives to you. We honor you and we love you. And all of DSM shouted, amen. I love this season. It's a joyful season. It's a fun season. It's a great season. This is Christmas season. Christmas season is filled with joy. And there's lots of little things that bring joy. There's lots of nostalgic things. And sometimes preachers rip on nostalgia. But I love nostalgia. I think it's really fun. I love love all of it. I love the way that there's cookies back there. And there's not normally cookies. I like the fact that, that there's eggnog that comes to the grocery stores. And there's not normally eggnog. In fact, there's eggnog coffee creamer right now and that's what I find myself enjoying the most I love I love right now I'm loving having little kids at Christmas that's kind of a, a really fun thing for me um this morning uh I, I well, when Ann and I moved into the house that we live in now one of the bizarre things to me was that in, in recent years they've started to build houses where where there's there can be two closets and so I grew up in a house where it was kind of cool you know for guys to you know not really be into clothes but you know over the last 20 years that's changed and so now it's cool for guys to be into really into clothes and and, and preferably you know many guys wear girl clothes which is weird but uh, sometimes uh, you have you have you have you have guys that have like a closet for themselves and so and so I never even thought about that I never thought that I would have a house where I had my own closet but when we moved into the house that we're in now I got my own closet and so I really didn't know what to do with it because I, I pretty much wear jeans every day and um except for um 
what did we do the other day? Oh, oh yeah, furnace banquet. I have a suit from Thailand that I wear at the furnace banquet, but then the rest of the time I wear jeans. And so even at church on Sunday morning. So anyway, so I, I don't have a whole lot of clothes, so I had this whole closet. And so I looked at my wife and I said, hey, babe, what do you think if I take out all of the clothes and I don't keep any clothes in my closet? And she said, well, what do you want to do with it? And I said, I would like to keep books in my closet. And so anyway, I have, I do have a, I, if you go to my house, I do have a, my own closet, which is cool. Um, there's no clothes in it. <laughs> it's all books. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying that. And, and anyway, my, but one of the things that we found is that up on the top of the bookshelf, there is a place to store hidden toys. And so everybody raise your right hand and say, I promise I won't tell your kids where the toys are. All right, thank you. But that is where my kids' toys are. And today they came to me and they said, they said, hey, dad, where are the toys? We know that there are toys somewhere. We know that you bought them. We know that they're somewhere. And I said, I won't tell you. And then my four-year-old girl said, I'll bet they're in daddy's closet. And she ran to my closet. And I screamed at the top of my voice, no. And my wise, mature six-year-old goes, hmm, I wonder if they're in your closet, dad. <laughs> And I just love that that happened today. I love that I, 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 I drank eggnog in my coffee today. I like Christmas. I love, I love everything about it. My, my six-month-old Justice, he's already, he broke an ornament this week. And it was so cool. It's like, oh, dude, the boy's masculine. Six-month, and he's like, whoosh, whoosh, knocking it down. It's like dodgeball for six-month-olds. It's awesome. I just, I, I, I love, I love everything about it. I, I, I love that family gathers. Actually, my parents drove in from Kansas City tonight. They're on the front row. My family's here. I just, I really, I really love it. I love, I love the joyous feeling of Christmas. It's awesome. It's fun. And I'm sure you do too. I'm sure you love being with your family. I'm, I'm sure that if you're anything like I was in high school, yes, you love uh, a lot of the nostalgia, but what you really love is the break from school. And so uh, getting out for Christmas break is really fun. You get to hang out with your family. Some of you just really like food, which I'm learning. Um, you just like all the free food everywhere at Christmas time. Some of you, you're into the gifts. You're like, I, I want an iPod. You know, I, I, want, I want something cool. Give me a, a Wii and Xbox. Give me a gift card to one of the stores at the mall. And, and you love all that. And one of the things that's interesting, though, is to watch how our, 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 our culture tries to talk about joy in the midst of the season that's about Jesus. In other words, Jesus is the one that brings our joy. And if you listen to even the way that the angels talk, they said, I bring you good news of great joy. And this will cause great joy for unto you is born a baby who is king and Lord. And there, he is going to be the reason and the purpose for great joy. And there will be people for all time that will have an eternal joy because of Jesus. And yet it's interesting to watch, even in our culture, how people want to be filled with joy. They're looking for a way to have joy. They don't have Jesus. Many that don't have Jesus, and yet they're looking for joy. They don't know exactly how to get it. They talk about it in different ways. They don't know how to get joy. They don't know where joy is at. We know. I want you to watch this commercial real quick. We live in this consumer culture. This is the way one, this is the way BMW talks about joy. Watch this. Or Acura. Maybe Chevrolet. Find your perfect gift. 
like the five-star crash safety rated Acura MDX at the drive home for the holidays event. Celebrate the season with low financing and lease offers from your Acura dealer. So it's, it's pretty funny because here you have little kids screaming when they open up presents, right? Like, ah, it's what I always wanted, you know? And you got the little boy and the little girl and the little boy and the little girl. And then you see an old man, you know, about my age. And he's driving a car and he's got a car. And then they say the joy is back. And the idea is, is it's back. The same joy that you had when you were a little kid. You got you, joy from, you know, the Lego set. Joy from the little dolly that you got as a child. The joy that you felt when you opened up, you know, Dora or whatever. The joy that you felt in that moment is available to you, oh, old man in your 30s. That in a, the joy is back, dude. How do you get it? It's in a car, man. It's in a car. If you just get the car, then you'll have that, ah, that, ah, that screaming, that feeling of joy. And, and it's interesting because if you play the logic out of that, then you just live in a consumer society where it's like, man, when I'm a little kid, it's like Legos and Dora, when I'm in elementary school, I want a bike. Ah, yay. When I'm a teenager, you know, hey, maybe, maybe then I want some kind of cool video game or electronics. Or, you know, I'm a dude, so I want some girl jeans to wear. And ah. And when I get into college, then, you know, man, I want a laptop or maybe a car. Maybe, you know, a clunker usually in college. Actually, food stamps would work in college. But when I, when I, when I, when I turn 30, then I want, I want a minivan. And I'll get the joy back. When I'm 40, when I'm 40, then I want to start a retirement account. And when that'll bring the joy back. And when I'm 60, I want a trip to Spain. And when I'm a 70, give me a hearing aid or some false teeth. It'll bring the joy back. And you get caught in a never-ending cycle of, hey, if you will consume this product, you will get joy. And yet we know the cycle, it never ends. In fact, if you study the way that even television works, networks will start to try to get you hooked at age three and four, and they'll graduate you from one program, and it's already connected to how they want to graduate from one program to the next. MTV is the same company as Nickelodeon, and they want to get Nickelodeon connected to MTV, MTV, and they want to try to get all the way through so that they own you. So that you say, hey, that person's cool. They're wearing those jeans. I want that product. That person listens to this music. I got to download that music. I want to be like it. And they, they pull you through. And there is an engine, an engine to try to get you to consume, to get you to be somebody that fills a need, a void in your heart with stuff. And they want you to feel like if I get that, I will finally have joy. I want joy. I need joy. I was made to have joy. There, there, there's got to be a way to fill this desire that I possess to experience and encounter joy. But if we read here in Luke 2, it says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. And they were terrified, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. Go buy an iPod. No. 
I bring you good news of great joy. We are going to set in motion where people are going to start giving presents. And in December, you're going to get a present and it's going to fill the need and you're going to feel joy. But then the next year, you're going to need something else. No. No, the language of the angel, and I'm talking an angel. An angel appears from the throne room of God to declare. That's pretty cool. There is going to be great joy. The form of a baby. It's going to be a Messiah. We read here in Luke 2 the word, the Lord. He will be the Lord. Which, which that, 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 that sounds like church language to us, but that wouldn't be church language back in Luke. Actually, this was a day where Caesar Augustus, he was the ruler. And Caesar Augustus, he was the one who was in charge. And he was the one that everyone would say, Caesar is Lord. Caesar is the one who brought peace. The Pax Romana was what it was called. And Caesar was the one who was to bring peace to the Roman Empire. And people were so happy that he had finally been the one to bring peace. And they would proclaim he is the one who brings peace, and Caesar is Lord. So when the angel of the Lord says, no, there's going to be born a baby, and he is the Messiah, and he is the Lord. This is a moment that goes, I mean, contradicts the culture right there. This is a moment where suddenly, born into a world where everyone bows the knee to Caesar, there is now a Lord that is being born, and it is not Caesar. There's a ruler that has been born, and it is not Caesar. There is one who's going to bring peace to the entire planet, and it is not Caesar. And so the angel of the Lord appears and says, hey, I was going to try to sit down and, you know, do the cool thing, but I'm just, I'm just too kind of wiry for that and oompa loompa-ish, so I got to stand. But Caesar is not Lord, the angel says. Behold, get this, shepherd boy. Get this. This will cause great joy. There is one greater than Caesar. And the thing that is intriguing as we read this is that it's actually in Jesus that we find the cause, the roots of joy. It's actually, it's actually when we read this and then when we read even the way that the, the Apostle John talks about Jesus. He says that Jesus had joy and that Jesus wants us to have joy. In fact, Jesus wants us to have the nature of the joy that he possesses. And the very core of what joy is cannot be found in an Acura. Can't be found in an iPod. The nature of joy is found in a person, the core. And, 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 and when you lock in with this, then I would say in our culture, we don't have a Caesar. We don't all bow our knee to some governmental ruling leader where we say, you know, so-and-so is Lord. We don't have that in our culture, but I will tell you, there is a king in our culture, a king, a king, and everybody knows this king. And if you, read, if you read in the magazines, if you watch on the television, you see it everywhere. And, and it's kind of the king that in our culture is competing with Christmas. This 
competing with Jesus, competing with the true Lord. The purpose of Christmas, the meaning of Christmas is that Jesus is the King and that Jesus is the Lord and that Jesus was born. But the competing rival king in our culture is not Caesar. It's you. It's you. Our culture says, you, if you have this trip, you will find joy. If you, if you eat this food, you will have joy. If you drive an Acura, Acura, you will have joy. If you have a Larry boy, you will have joy. If you get the Dora doll, you will have joy. If finally you put on your sister's jeans, you will feel joy. If you go out and buy a brand new bicycle, then you will have joy. And the way that the enemy wants to rob you is to get you to get fix your eyes on you. On you. And your challenge will not be like in that day. In that day, it was to say, wait a minute, Caesar is not Lord, but I'm going to listen to these shepherds or these fishermen or these tax collectors that say Jesus is Lord. And in that day, it would be a whole, a whole different mindset of turning from saying, okay, I'm not going to follow Caesar, even though Caesar's picture is on the coin, even though Caesar is the one that we're all supposed to call Lord, but I'm going to call this man Jesus Lord, that he is God. And that would be such a shift in culture. That would be so counterculture to actually bow your knee to Jesus instead of bowing your knee to Caesar. But I believe in this culture, we live in a day where it is equally difficult for you to go against the constant push in our culture to say, you be Lord. You be about you. You be about your happiness. You be about your future. You be about your education. You be about your toys. You be about you having rest. You be about you having recreation. You be about you. And I'll tell you this, that is the challenge in our culture. Our culture in this day and age is for you to turn against the lie that says everything is all about you. It's called narcissism. It means it's all about me. It's about what I want. It's about I want to be entertained. I want to eat. I want to look good. It's all about me. And when we begin to talk Jesus talk, and when we begin to read the gospel story, and we begin to look at who Jesus is, the essence of who he is, is he says, I desire for you. To bow your knee to me. And when you give up your life. When you voluntarily forego those pleasures. You will find something supernatural. You will find joy in Jesus. Say joy in Jesus. You will find joy in a person rather than joy in you. You will find joy in God rather than joy in you. You will find joy in the creator rather than joy in the created. You will find joy in something supernatural. You will find joy, but your joy won't be looking inward, looking at you and trying to meet your needs. The joy will come looking to Jesus, the supplier of all good things. And there is a mystery 
There is a reality. There is a secret. There is a delight for the Christ follower. It's that they have found a superior joy that far surpasses the joys that a consumer rich culture could ever provide. They have found it in Jesus. They have found it in him. And tonight, there are some of you tonight that really, if you were to be gut level honest, your life is about you. Your life has always been about you. But when we hear this, we hear the story, there is one God. He is the creator of heaven and earth. He created man. Man chose to sin and distance himself from God. And God chose to send his son to live perfectly, to die a death that he did not deserve, that we did deserve. Only to rise from the dead and to show, to demonstrate what it means to live perfectly so that he could then take a people to be with him forever. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He sits enthroned right now. He is not a little cartoon baby floating down. He is seated on a throne with a sea of glass like crystal, with eyes of fire, with a tongue that's like a sword. (laughs) He rides a white horse. He's victorious. He defeats whoever he wants to defeat. He is the king of all kings. He's coming back for people that voluntarily said, in this life, I choose you. And because I choose you, I find joy. And whether that takes me to a mud hut, or that takes me to an apartment, or that takes me to the White House, or that takes me all the way to Paris or Pueblo, I don't care. My joy isn't in my earthly circumstance or what I get. My joy is in Jesus. And when you look throughout church history, there have been people who have followed Jesus and had nothing and had joy. There are people who have had everything, chose Jesus, had joy. My circumstance, my wants do not dictate how I live. I find my life in person. Jesus. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.